Welcome to the Pure Football Podcast. This is the podcast with the stories, tactics, stats and rumours about football in Scotland and beyond by fans for fans. I'm your co-host Owen Brown and I'm joined today by Gavin Miller. Gavin, how are you? Yeah, doing really good. Thank you, mate. Cheers. What about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm very well. Thank you. Um, and for those of you that are joining us um, today, whether it's the first time or you've been with us from the very start, um, please do subscribe to the show and tell a friend. Be very, very appreciative if you're able to spread the word about what you're listening to. Today we're doing a bit of a relegation special. So we're going to start with uh, Scottish League 2 and we're going to work our way up through each of the divisions um, just with a little bit of match analysis of um, a key match from this weekend in the relegation battle and our thoughts about who uh, might go down from each of the leagues. So we're going to start at the bottom, as I said, in uh, League 2. And um, the kind of standings at the moment in 10-team Division 2 are that Annan Athletic are in 7th place. Um, They've played 23 games. They have 27 points, but they've had five losses in a row. And they've conceded 48 goals and and lost 12 matches of those uh, 23 so far. Um, Stenhouse Muir are in 8th. They've played 23 games as well. Um, They have 23 points. They've lost uh, a whopping 12 games as well. Um, Albion Rovers have played just 20 games. so They've got a few games in hand. They're on 21 points. Um, They've had uh, kind of two draws in a row. Um, they have a, a negative goal difference of, of minus 10, which is actually the best of these um, four bottom <laughs> teams. And they've they've only, I say only, lost nine games. Um, they actually play all three of the other teams in this group of four um, in their next three matches. So they've got Brecon at home this Saturday, Stenhouse Muir away next, and then Anath Athletic away. Um, and the final team rounding out the kind of bottom four are Brecon City, who are, of course, in 10th. Um, they've played 22 matches, and they're quite a bit adrift uh, with 15 points. They've lost 15 games, and they've conceded 51 goals. They play Albion Rovers away next, and then uh, um, Anon Athletic, who are the team up in 7th. So we thought we would have a look at Brecon City versus Elgin City. Um, tale of two cities, neither of which are really cities anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but this uh, game was... Uh, well, it was a 2-1 win away for Elgin um, in Brecon. Um, eventually, a kind of late win um, for them with goals that came in the 83rd and 86th minute to turn it around after Brecon had taken the lead after 29 uh, minutes. Tell me, Gavin, what, what did you kind of think of this match? Give me a little bit of detail about your thoughts of it. And also, you know, as, as I said, just kind of give us a bit of detail about any key players you think that matter yeah. in this relegation battle and who might go down. Yeah, so first of all, from this game, uh, I think this is the first time that we've covered these two teams from the, I can't think of speaking to them before, so that's quite, you know, good to be, you know, to tick off these guys, and uh, I was excited looking into this game uh, to see how Shane Sutherland done from Elgin, I know we're focusing on the um, the relegation side of it with Brecon, but uh, I was interested to see how Sutherland would perform, considering he signed a pre-contract with Inverness Cali Thistle, so that's quite a big jump. I think he's the second top goal scorer in League Two at the moment. So, so yeah, that was a name that I was I was quite excited about. Um, so I guess Brecon City, um, obviously the famous hedge. Uh, they've pretty much fallen from grace. They when they got promoted to the the Scottish Championship, I think it was pretty like well documented that they didn't actually want to get promoted as a club, which I I still don't really understand. And then. They made next to no effort to do anything about that promotion. Um, and then I think they've been in just 
absolute capitulation ever since that. Um, which it seems really odd, and I, I, I'd love to understand the finer detail of it. Um, as to one, why that would be your ethos as a club, and two, how you could fall to this, uh, you know, the bottom of the of the, you know, the the, the pyramid just now for for the, um, you know, in the league structure. So, uh, but yeah, I guess going into the game, uh, I was I was quite um, impressed in the early stages by I think it was Daniel Mackay from Elgin. I thought he looked quite good. He um, young winger, and uh, he looked like he wanted to just get on the ball and. And drive forward into the spaces. I felt like Brecon really had. It just seemed like there was huge gaps between their midfield and their defence. Like it just felt like there yep. was a lot of space. Um, and you know that there's no surprise. And and you know their bottom of the goals conceded, fifty one goals conceded. And uh, I think it's quite evident why. If that's how they're defensively set up. Um, yeah, if, if you uh, could, if you could beat your wide midfielder or, or somebody, then you had a good. 10, 15 yards of space that you could carry the ball into after that, I thought. But uh, yeah, that, that was all really interesting detail. Keep, keep telling me more about what you were thinking about the game, McGavin. Yeah, so then um, Mackay, who I just mentioned, he also had a chance to, just before uh, Brecon scored, Mackay had a, I think it was a, a shot from Sutherland that got sort of deflected out. out and Mackay had a, a pretty much a free header, which he headed wide. Mm. Um, maybe not his strength going on his sort of stature, but he probably should have scored before that. Um, Brecon then get, it looked like against the run of play, um, go ahead with a goal from Martin Scott, who they've just signed from, from Cove. It was pretty scrappy. I actually personally felt the keeper could have done a bit better. He just looked like he was a bit flat-footed and, and not did you really think, red. Did you so, think it was offside, maybe? It, it was hard to tell from the angle, yeah. but it definitely, you know, there was... It, yeah. I, I felt like... I just felt like Elgin were just caught flat-footed because I didn't really see too many players claiming for the offside and there wasn't really any sort of quick reactions from them. Sure, I agree uh, with that. I mean, there was very little pressure on the ball, which was kind of a bit of a problem with the goal and then a uh, chip over the defence. I thought it was a nice run from uh, Martin Scott and a, a debut goal for him. Um, I think he's 34 this month and, of mm-hmm. course, has been at Ross County, Hibs, Livingston and a bunch of other uh, kind of lower league teams, but yeah, maybe offside. Maybe the keeper could have done a wee bit better. Um, I, I can agree with that. Um, there, there was a fair few people in this match who really looked like they're living that semi-pro life. Um, <laughs> was, um, a few people are slightly out of shape, and I, and I did feel that you know maybe on both sides of the goalkeeping at times was a little bit uh, slow in terms of reactions and stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I guess um, that was a bit of a a, a kind of goal against the run of play. Um, overall in this match, Brecon took four shots to Elgin's 13, although I felt quite a lot of Elgin's shots were kind of um, from a bit further out than what they should be doing and, and you know, kind of kind of uh, high and off target. Um, but yeah, a, a, a lucky if good start for, for Brecon. Um, I think they've had a bit of a January transfer window shake-up with, like you said, Martin Scott coming in and some people going out, you know, um, but yeah, things kind of didn't end up going you know well for them for the remainder of the match. So, what what did you think of the game past Brecon's goal? Yeah, so there was actually there was one thing I just wanted to quickly highlight. I don't know if you remember it or not, but there was a really nice bit of play uh, from Elgin, with, which came from a, a long throw from the keeper McHale, which went out to Mackay on the wing, and then there was some really nice yep. interchange between Elgin and that sort of gave me a little bit of. You know, it was some good stuff. It was the first real quality in the game, and I think 
Um, Sutherland done pretty well to get the into a good position and then maybe could have done a little bit better with his shot. But um, overall, just uh, that was quite encouraging to see that sort of play. It looked like an actual passage of play that they tried. There was some, there was some, you know, nice movement from the from the midfield and the attackers. So um, that gave me some positive signs. And again, I think this game it was really clear that Elgin were the the more dominant team, and then they got uh, their their just rewards when Sutherland scores the uh, equaliser. Again, the goalkeeping for this I thought was really bad. Um, Lewis, I think it was Lewis McGinn, is it? Um, McMahon, yeah. McMahon, sorry, yeah. Uh, he was. He was really, really bad for that goal. And uh, I think that Sutherland done really well. I liked his touch for the control and um, yep. to be able to you know stop it dead. That showed a bit of quality again, but it was really bad defending for him to be able to do that and get straight into the breaking box. And then, yeah, the keeper should do better. Um, did you see anything different? No, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, it's basically just a kind of straight long ball from the centre-back and um, bad, bad marking to let him get between the two centre-backs. Lovely control, brings it down beautifully um, and a bit of a scuff shot. I thought that Sutherland um, was getting the opportunity to get shots off quite well throughout the match, but his shooting was pretty poor. Um, you know, shooting was not quite there um, and he kind of scuffed this one and, and, yeah, the goalkeeper didn't deal with it at all and it kind of trundled into the corner. Um, that was really interesting, what you said about Sutherland having the pre-contract signed with Inverness. I hadn't realised that and, of course, he's he's been there as a player in the past and I think the goal on Saturday was his 25th in all competitions this season so far, his 15th in the league. So, you know, he's certainly doing impressively in, in uh, League Two. I mean, it's quite a step back up to the championship, particularly to a team who would be mm-hmm. hoping to challenge um, for the playoffs at, at his age. I think he's 29 now, but, you know, knows the club and so on. I guess he maybe doesn't expect to be a starter all the time. So that'll be an interesting one to watch next season. Um, and yeah, well done for him to get that goal. Um, what about beyond that? Um, yeah, what so did just, you think of the, the kind of remaining player, or the, the yeah, winner? The, the, the winner, so um, I thought it was a great ball in from Matt Cooper, the fullback. It looked like a you know, a really, really smart ball. Maybe, uh, again, I was a little bit surprised with there was next to no pressure on him. Um, Too deep, weren't they? They were really deep. I mean, considering that it was a draw at that point, you know, they weren't um, they weren't trying to preserve a win. Um, I, I just felt Breakin looked as if they'd gone way too deep and yeah you're right lack of pressure on the ball but um yeah carry on what, what were yeah, you saying about yeah the, the so he, it, it just um it just really surprised me that you know that there was no no pressure and then it was it was pretty easy for uh smart Os- Osadolar. I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. sure how you pronounce that I think it was he pretty much he didn't really have to do too much to get his to win the header um yep. And again, you know, that header was in the six-yard box, so maybe the keeper could have tried to come and put some pressure on the ball. I just, it felt really, just really, really poor from breaking. No pressure on the ball at any point. Effectively, it was almost like they were just waiting for the inevitable, um, which was, was I guess, disappointing from their perspective. But um, he, the, uh, sorry, Cooper and Osadla uh, done what they had to do to get the win, so... Some encouraging things about Elgin, considering it's the first time I've watched them. But yep. um, and yeah, I am interested to see how Sutherland will deal with the the jump up next season. Cool. Um, and what what did you kind of take away from this game in terms of the division? Do you think there's any chance for Breakin, um to avoid being bottom? No. Okay. Uh, no, they've been bottom since I think match day nine. Yeah. Um, so that's we're now on match day twenty three. 
and I don't really see how they they're going to turn this around. There was no real signs of encouragement. I don't. The goal came against her on the play, and then the rest of the highlights was just pretty much Elgin. So, yep, based on um, that performance, I would be worried if I was a Breakin fan. And and I also think that just quickly on this this position for you know how things are in the pyramid, you know, yep. if they were to come up against like Kelly Hearts, etc., um, I would really worry about Breakin's ability to deal with um, you know the the Lowland League team. Not even just from that, but you've got the the different momentum and you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, it'll be really difficult for them. Yeah, I think it's um, it's got to be very, very troubling and very worrying for Brecon uh, City fans. I mean, this is a club that's been around for what, like 115 years, and I would feel the same as you that if they end up in the playoff against a team from the uh, pyramid below them, they're probably not going to be the favourites. And if they do go down, then you wonder can they survive that kind of drop? What what happens? Um, so yeah. Uh, Troubling time for them, um, and not much encouragement in the match that we saw. Um, let's let's move up a flight to League One. Um, so, a couple of teams that are potentially in danger um, of going down from League One. So, we've got in seventh place uh, Peterhead, who have played twenty three and they've got twenty five points. We've got Clyde, who are in eighth, they've played twenty two matches and have twenty five points. Then we've got four for Athletic, who have played 23 games and have 22 points. Um, they've only scored 23 goals. They've conceded 40, 40 um, throughout those 23 games. And then sitting bottom, 10th, uh, are Srinwar. They've play, played 22 games and they've uh, only got 14 points. Um, they've had four draws in a row in the last uh, games. They um, have only scored 23 goals as well. They've only won two games all season. Um, they have Wraith at home next, and then they play Forfer, um, who are obviously ninth at the moment, um, away on the 15th of February. And the game we picked out to talk about today was Forfer's match against Clyde. Forfer beat Clyde uh, two goals to one. Um, this was a game that had quite a lot of chances. There were 11 shots each, um, and... Yeah, an interesting game to get to see both these games that, of course, now are, are in ninth and eighth. Talk me through what you thought of this match, uh, Gavin, and, and also if you want to give me any detail about any players that you think yeah. are key in the survival battle and, and you know what your prediction is for who might be relegated in this league. Absolutely, yeah. The, the first thing uh, I was a little bit surprised by was almost, um, I think, the full minute silence at the start of the game was shown as a highlight. I've, I've mm. never really seen that before. Well, it was for um, a ninety-seven-year-old fan, I suppose. You know that that uh, deserves a little bit of uh, yeah of respect. But yeah, that was um yeah. yeah. Anyway, you know, it's uh, I, I I found if anybody's not seen it yet, the it was the shots of the crowd and stuff. There were some real kind of zooming in shots of people while they were um, taking a moment to pay their respects. That was um, yeah, a, a, a quirk of lower league Scottish football. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, you know, it's a nice touch, but yeah, I've just never really witnessed the the full minute being shown. Sure. So that was um. That was interesting. Um, yeah. Um, so this this um, this game, I, I was interested probably more from a a Clyde perspective to see um, some of their players earlier in the season. We covered them, and and Goodwill looked quite impressive. So I was I was keen to see how he performed in this game. Um, but it was Jordan Cookpatrick um, that got this game off to a bit of a a quick start for Forfa and. Uh, it was some nice play from Callum tapping on the flank, just a little bit mm. of persistency, um, and quite you know positive play to try to take the man on. Where maybe you could have made the rash decision just to try and get 
the ball into the box, whereas I thought that was quite good from him. Um, so yeah, I really agree s- with that entirely. I mean, Tapping has quite a good CV, so mm-hmm. 26 years old now, but as a youth, he played at Celtic and Spurs and then went to Hearts Youth, um, started a senior career at Hearts and has a Scotland under-21 cap from um, you know back in the day. Um, and I agree, yeah. nice, skillful play from him. Um, what, what did you think once the ball came into the box? A, uh, bit, a bit of kind of pinball and... Yeah, so. it looked like some pretty poor defending, and I also thought um, poor goalkeeping as well. I thought, you know, mm. again, I think for for what happened with that move, you you maybe want your the goalkeeper was rooted to his line. I know there was some bodies there, but I feel like he could maybe come and put some pressure, you know, to try and win the ball um, or close down the angle. I feel like if you're if you're if you're on your line, there's probably more space for the ball to go in. Whereas, um, yeah, I think he was maybe. You know, even if he's just a yard or two further forward, that makes it a little bit harder. Um, so yeah, I was just a little bit, you know, wasn't sure about the defending there from from Clyde and, and expected the keeper to do a bit better. Um, I thought throughout the highlights again, Tapping and Kirkpatrick really stood out as positive players for Forfa. And if if they're going to get out of this relegation battle, those will be the two players that I think they'll need to rely on. Um, I didn't see a huge amount of. Um, positivity from anyone else really in terms of the highlights um i felt that from a a clyde perspective Mm. again they really struggled when the ball was um progressed quickly um it felt like again there was big gaps um between their defenders i think there was one chance for forfa um where pretty much the the center the two center backs and you know any sort of holding midfielder were nowhere to be seen in the middle of the pitch it was just it was such an odd moment of play where you know it was literally like where are they um Mm. and i think for clyde that would be really concerning um then i think so it goes in one nil at half time clyde made a double substitution um Mm. chris johnston came on and i felt that he really changed things for clyde in a, a positive manner um I think he looked to get on the ball more, looked to be involved, um, had a, a good shot, um, which Mark McCallum made a pretty good save from mm-hmm. um, just before uh, Johnston was involved in the in the equaliser for, for Clyde with, uh, you know, the, the throwing comes in, thrown over the head, pretty schoolboy defending from Forfar. Uh, and then Johnston gets a sort of lobbed ball into the, into the back post, um, which, again, just felt like pretty poor overall I felt like McCallum I don't know if you've seen this or not the McCallum the 4-4 keeper he looked really unconventional and really uneasy just like his movement and really like uh, I'm not too sure how to describe it other than just really like awkward he just didn't look like a a confident Mm -hmm. keeper who you would be you know he's going to come and claim a ball or he's going to come and take the pressure off the back line he just looked like he was always scrambling Um, sure and and yeah, I think uh, Clyde looked like they had a you know a sort of decent spell at this point in the game, and uh, and it was was difficult to see how far we're going to you know make this mm. count. But then it was interesting as well when I was looking at some of the stats. So it looks like you know Clyde are, are doing pretty well in terms of you know shot generation, um, but it's it's maybe their or sorry the shots on target anyway. Um, but it looks like they're maybe over reliant on Goodwillie, and so absolutely. If, Good uh, with that. Involved, then they struggle. And it didn't seem he was that involved in this game, right? You know, and, and I felt that was kind of um there were quite a lot of chances in the match, 
but Clyde couldn't really get any of them to fall to David Goodwillie, and, and that's maybe what let them down, um, partly. Um, wh- what were you going to say about um, what happened next? You yeah. got any thoughts on the, the 4 for goal that put yeah, them back so, into the lead? So this was some really nice interplay but I, I, um, from 4 for again. I thought the two strikers mm-hmm. done pretty well. Um, but again, there was a huge gap in, in the defence for Clyde. Um, huge gap between the lines. I'm not sure if at this point where you know Clyde are maybe being a little bit too adventurous and, and losing structure. Um, but there was warning signs for this, I felt, throughout the, the, the full highlights um, for this one. And yeah, it was a, a pretty good finish from Kirkpatrick, I felt. Um, but yeah, I really felt the, the defending was just atrocious from, from Clyde. They just lured to the ball um, and again huge gaps for players just to run into with absolute ease mm. and again you know it is a good finish from Kirkpatrick but I think this one's more on the how easy it was for him Sure I, I would kind of echo that I mean I guess my kind of overall thoughts about this game would be that um, there were some nice bits of play by Forfer we touched on the Callum Tapping play for the first goal um, and Forfer had some other nice bits of passing in the first half I felt that generally what you would maybe say about them in the first half was that there was good interplay, but there were bad final balls or shots um, from Forfar. And then just to echo what you said, Clyde's two substitutions at halftime did seem to help them start um, a lot more brightly. I I thought that Mark Lamont um, at at that point in the second half, the the number eight, I think, for Clyde did pretty well. Um, He's quite young, 21 years old, I think, and he came through at Partick Thistle, I think. He he seemed to want to be involved in things quite a lot. He also seemed to take set pieces and his delivery was pretty good. Um, And and the equaliser for um, Clyde, I thought it was just an absolute mess in terms of defending. Um, you know, the throw-in kind of comes in behind the fullback, and he really gets himself into an awkward position. Um, you know, wrong side of the of the attacker, and then yeah, it, not the first time in this match that a kind of ball into the box caused a bit of mayhem, and then there's kind of you know panicked defending, but nobody actually maybe getting close enough to block a shot, and um, yeah, keeper doesn't do great. I'd, I'd agree with you on, on that. However, the I, th- I thought the the goal for Forfar to put them back and lead to two one was a really good goal. Um, you're absolutely right that the defending was bad. I think it's Scott Rumsby, the centre back for Clyde, who really gets exposed um, by Kirkpatrick. Sort of, I mean, it's not really a one two like Kirkpatrick kind of dummies the initial pass and and you know makes a kind of run off um, into the space that's created, but Rumsby gets. You know, left behind by him. Um, so a, a good goal, bad defending though from Clyde, and, and overall, I think you're you're absolutely right in saying that without Goodwillie being kind of involved and getting chances off, Clyde looked um, not not that great. Um, what do you think in terms of you know any kind of overall things to take away from this division? Who do you think is going to go down? What what do you think is going to matter most in the kind of remainder of the season? Who I think whoever finishes tenth and ninth in this division will both go down. Sure. Um, I think there's probably more quality in from teams like Edinburgh City or even just watching that from Elgin. I, I felt like they had more um, passes of play. If it's if it's four for Stranraer specifically, I think they'll both struggle. Clyde might be able to get you know if they finish in the in the playoff spot, they might be able to get out of it through, you know, if Goodwill mm. can just turn up, yep. um, you know, because he does have that that quality, but it's just if teams can shut him down, then what's Clyde's plan B? It's not really apparent right now. So 
Sure. Um, but yeah, I think Stranraer are, are pretty much down, and and I think Forfar, if they finish in that position, will really struggle. Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty accurate. Um, Stranraer are huge trouble. They might they'll likely finish in tenth. Uh, I think Forfar. For me, at this point in time, are favourites to finish ninth and, and potentially go down to one of the teams that will be in the playoffs in League Two. Um, the the match between Forfar and Stranraer on the fifteenth of February will be one to look out for, I guess. Just out of interest to see if there's any kind of um, chance, maybe for Stranraer to try and catch them. So that was um, League One. Then, uh, so let's move up one more step to the Scottish Championship. Um, so, I mean. Yeah, not for the first time uh, in recent history. There's um, a lot of congestion in the Scottish Championship, and it's maybe, um, I don't know, there's a lot of teams that potentially could get drawn into a relegation battle. But just to pick out the kind of bottom four for the moment, um, in seventh place, Green and Morton have played 22 games. They've got 27 points. Um, up next, they play Queen of the South at home and then Air away. In eighth position is Queen of the South. They've played uh, 21 matches. They have 25 points. And, and next, obviously, they have uh, Green at Morton away. Then they have Arbroath um, away as well. In ninth, we've got Aloha, who have played 23 games. They've got 25 points. Up next, they have Dundee United at home and then Green at Morton away. And in tenth, at the bottom of the table, we've got Partick Thistle, who have played 23, point, sorry, 23 games and have uh, 23 points. Up next, they've got Dundee away, and then they've got Wraith Rovers at home in the Challenge Cup. So um, the match we've picked out for this division was Partick Thistle versus Ayr, which was the Friday night TV match, and it finished one each. Um, any thoughts on this match, Gavin? Any thoughts in general um, about this division? We'll probably keep our thoughts a little bit briefer um, in this division and leave it to the real experts who are the yep. Pure Championship um, podcast with Chris and Cammy. So you know, tune in for their thoughts. But what 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 do you think? Any thoughts on the game or you know the division itself and the relegation battle? Yeah, first first of all, just really want to echo what you said. If you know, if you're a fan of the championship and you're tuning in for the first time, Chris and Cami do provide a, a championship specific podcast, which you should absolutely check out. Um, but in terms of this game, I, I felt like I felt a little bit surprised, but I feel like Partick Thistle in my head are doing better than they are. Um, first of all, I was you know looking at the table and and how things are. I felt like things were turning around, but under Ian McCall, but I'm not just. Like I'm not sure if that's more. Yeah, I think maybe when they started making a lot of signings and stuff in the January window, there was some sort of you know um, I don't know sort of seemed to be a bit of a narrative that things had turned around and there might be um, you know an upturn and there still could be obviously they have brought in a lot of people that could be very promising signings for them but they're in trouble aren't they? I mean yeah. yeah. It's not, not a good position to be in at all. I mean, I, I guess they would say it's a division where things can turn around, but, you know, there's still a good, like, up to six, there's a seven-point gap there, um, and they've played a game more than, you know, a couple of teams above them. What what yeah. about the game itself? Um, yeah. Were you surprised by what you saw specifically in yeah. the match? Um, yeah, so I guess going for the opener, I thought, again, I feel like this is the pure football narrative, but uh, there was more poor defended. Um, oh, God, for, yeah. For the... Disgraceful. For the opening goal, it's an absolute shambles. Um, I think Daniel Harvey, who's someone that, from what I've seen, I've been quite um, quite mm. excited about, but he he makes absolutely no attempt to close down Joe Cardell and literally watches him just cross the ball into the box. It's absolutely insane. Um, nobody picks up Brian Graham's run. Um, 
you know, he had all the time in the world to just get in between the two defenders who make no attempt to try and win the ball. And, you know, the keeper just watches it come across as well. And Ross Doohan, who's another person who I've been, you know, quite excited about. Um, yeah, just it was it was calamitous. It was so, so bad. There was just so many errors, such a mm. simple goal to concede. And, uh, I think you're right to point out there are so, so many errors. I, I had to kind of rewatch this goal I don't know, it must have been about six or seven times, just kind of pausing and rewinding and look at all the things that went wrong. So for, for anybody that's not seen this, this is a goal for um, um, uh, Graham um, after 33 minutes. And it's it's just a mess from start to finish. Um, it's a free kick for Partick Thistle that's about 35 yards out. And, and I guess the first thing I would say is I don't really understand why you have three men in a wall for a free kick that's about 35 to 40 yards out, uh, kind of in the middle of the pitch. It just seems to me to be a, a misuse of markers. Um, I don't think you need that many people in a wall. I would maybe be tempted not even to have a wall and actually invite the opposition to shoot from there because I don't think even, you know, with Scott Fox being the goalkeeper, um, uh, sorry, not Scott Fox, um, I'm criticising the wrong team there. From that <laughs> distance, I, I don't think you should be beating the goalkeeper. So I, I'd maybe kind of invite that. Um, but then, yeah, there's a kind of ball in and the marking's dead loose initially um, and then it just gets worse you know there's a, a little bit of um, lack of clarity I think about whether it should be Houston or Harvey um, that should be challenging for the cross and, and they both eventually kind of get they decide to try and do it and, and they both kind of get taken out of the game and then like you said um, Brian Graham is, is just kind of able to loiter <laughs> um, on the edge of the six-yard box, um, you know, kind of between two people, and um, I think um, Aaron Drennan, um, uh, you know, new newish signing for Air, is just kind of essentially picking up nobody in the box and just kind of floating about, ball watching. It's just an absolute mess, um, and deservedly punished. I was quite happy yeah. to see that result in a goal because. Um, you, you know, there's so many mistakes there that deserve to be punished. What, what about uh, any anything else you wanted to say about that goal, Gavin? Or... Yeah, just I just I, again, I guess it was just more disappointing than anything else because I was excited about, um, you know, a number of these players like Harvey, Houston, doing um to see how how they would perform. You know, those three in particular. Um, you know, Harvey's been linked with a number of Premiership teams. I moved down south. Doing obviously Scotland under twenty one. Houston's just left from Rangers, so I was I was excited about all these players, and uh, yeah, then was just let down by by them all pretty much. Um, and that you know specific passage of pay, uh, sorry play. Um, so then I guess there was more calamitous defending for the <laughs> for the air equaliser. Um, I don't know if you remember when uh, I think it's uh, Brownlee and Bannigan run into each other from Partick. Yeah. Time. Oh my it's god! It's like some it was... Keystone Keystone Cops type incident in the middle of the field. It's absolutely calamitous. Um, yeah, that was terrible. More bad, bad play. Oh, it was it was just so so funny watching it. Just you know the the two players you know running straight into each other. Um, really, really bad. And like, yeah, it creates a huge gap. I don't even understand why Brownlee has to come for it. I don't. I didn't understand what what he was doing, what was going through his head at that point. Um, mm. So so yeah, um, and then yeah, it's an easy run through for Alan Forrest, um, who's also just signed a pre contract with Livingston. So excited to see how he does. Obviously, he's the brother of James Forrest, um, 
And then, yeah, I wasn't sure if it was a penalty. What did you think? Mm, I think it probably is. So this is Leo Connor, who's making his second appearance only for Thistle, the, the right back. Um, it's very soft, but it's stupid. Um, you know, Forrest is pretty quick, making a kind of breaking run on and into the, the left-hand side of the box. And it's just a hand on, on a kind of shoulder or upper arm. Um, so, you know, there's not a great deal in it, but he, he definitely pulls at him. Um, so I, I think if you're stupid enough to do that in the box, then, you know, um, uh, McCall's come out and said he doesn't think it's a penalty. I think it's incredibly soft. It's not violent or anything, but he does tug him back, you know. So Yeah, I, I just... I just you felt th- like think it's not. I did feel it was. I felt like Forrest was going down before there was any real contact made. Um, sure. So, but yeah, I guess O'Connor doesn't have to put any. If O'Connor doesn't touch him, you know, doesn't put any hands on him, then it's maybe a bit easier for the referee to to clearly make a decision. Um, yep. Whereas if he sees the hand going on him, player going down, then you know, two and two together sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I would say like the rest of the game was pretty scrappy. Um, lots yeah. of yellow cards, lots of you know just breaking up play, and it just it, it didn't feel like a classic um, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, no, no, by by a long way. I mean, this was um, yeah, not not a great match. I think that's um, air. Well, unbeaten in four matches, but in each of those games, this is the first goal that they've conceded. Um, they've won the preceding three games 1-0, so there's maybe not a lot happening in each of their games at the moment. Um, they're, of course, managed by um, championship manager legend uh, Mark Kerr, who still seems to be playing for them, despite the fact that he's about to turn 39 um, next month, um, which is you know quite an achievement for him. But yeah, I, I didn't feel that there was a lot from either team um, in terms of really going for it, trying to you know win it, which is a pity given you know where part of this are in the league, obviously, and, and obviously here who you'd expect to be pushing quite seriously for a playoff spot now. Um, Anything else you felt about the match apart from the kind of overall kind of lack of action? No, I just think that Partick Thistle have really got a you know pull like they've got a lot of good players in this team, mm-hmm. um, you know some decent pedigree, so they really need to turn this around quickly. And I think, um, yeah, that narrative of they're they're doing better. Um, I think is that there, is there any one player you would say would be like kind of key for them um, to get them out of this situation? I- so I think there's a couple actually. I think I, I do quite like some of the part of this squad. I really like Tam Aware, the centre back. Uh, he's had loads of injuries, unfortunately, but he feels to me like he could be the next sort of Craig Halkett, Declan Gallagher esque player who can come from like the the Championship and and do pretty well in the Premiership. I really like the way he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Brian Graham's, you know, he scored. He was scoring goals in the Premiership, albeit not a lot, but. He's got goals in the Premiership, so I'd imagine he'll do well at Championship level. But I'm I'm probably most excited about seeing, you know, Jamie Barjonas, Zach Rudden, um, Shea Gordon, and Leo Connor. You know, all, they've got you know connections to the um, the old firm respectively. But I think those players, this is their opportunity to either prove whether they can. They're obviously not gonna, you would imagine, not gonna cut it at Rangers or Celtic, mm-hmm. but. Um, yeah, this is their opportunity to maybe show like a a mid to lower Scottish Premiership team why they should take a chance on them. Um, yeah. So yeah, those those players need to make a, a step up. 
I absolutely agree with that. I think particularly like somebody like Zach Rudden, um, still only 19 years old, but obviously has had you know a fair bit of experience at um, Falkirk and in Plymouth Argyle. This is a big chance for him to um, maybe stake his claim. Um, I still I, I can have, have a soft spot for Daryl Zanata. I know it's not really happened for him there um, up until mm-hmm. this point, but um, yeah. I still still think maybe you know with with some players like Zach running the team and so on that he can link up that'll be interesting to see, um, but yeah it remains to be seen um, if that will be enough to get him out of trouble. So I guess coming on to that, let's put you on the spot, Gavin. Who's who's going to get relegated from this division? I'm going to say Aloha. I know they've been really resilient and I know that Peter Grant is just one manager of the month, but I feel like um, you know a part time team. Uh, I know our both are, are part time as well, but I think those two teams, as the season goes on, this could be harder and harder for them um, against the teams that train, you know, full time. So mm-hmm. I think those two teams might slip away. I also think that just when you base the quality, um, you know, as in the individual talent at some of the other teams, it should be enough to to see them scrape through. But it's not out with with the realms of possibility that anyone from 10th to 4th is in a, a relegation fight, you know, mm. you go on a bad run and someone else goes on a good run, you're, you you know, you're just suckered right into that. Um, yep. And also on the same caveat, any one of those teams could potentially find themselves in the playoff. It's just a crazy league. And uh, then you have, you know, maybe Falkirk, maybe Wraith, both teams that are good and that are you know, exactly. in good form as well. Um, so yeah, uh, difficult situation. I, I felt exactly the same as you, that I do think it'll be Aloha. Um, that will finish last at the end of the season in that division. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see who um, is in the playoff spot, both at the bottom of the table and indeed at the top. So um, talking of um, coming up from the Championship, let's talk now about the Scottish Premiership. So um, in terms of teams who may be in trouble in the division, well, let's again look at the bottom four. So in ninth place, we've got Ross County. Um, each of these teams have all played uh, 24 matches. So Ross County are on 22 points. Um, they've let in a whopping 50 league goals. They have a, a minus 27 goal difference, which is the worst in the league. Uh, three losses in a row. Um, next up, they've got Livingston at home, then Hibs away, then St. Johnston home. In 10th spot are St. Mirren. They've got 21 points. They've only scored 19 goals, which is the lowest in the league. Um, next up, they've got Hamilton at home, um, which is this Wednesday, and which is you know, obviously a, a big, big match in the relegation battle. They've then got Motherwell away in the Cup, then Livingston away in the league, and Motherwell away in the league after that. Um, below them are Hearts, who um, moved up uh, to 11th place after the weekend. Um, they're on 18th points. They're now unbeaten in their last four matches. Um, next up, they have Kilmarnock at home. Then they have Falkirk away in the Cup. Then they've got Celtic away in the league and Hamilton at home in the league. And talking of Hamilton, they are bottom now um, on 18 points. Uh, but they've conceded 44 goals, which is part of the reason that they are uh, below hearts on goal difference. They've had three losses in a row. Um, next up, they've got St Mirren away, um, as I said, which is, uh, as I said, this Wednesday. Then they've got Rangers at home. Then they've got Aberdeen at home. And then they've got Hearts away. Uh, the match that we picked out to talk about in the Premiership from this past weekend was uh, Kilmarnock 3, Ross County 1. Gavin, any thoughts about this match itself and about the division itself and who might be in trouble and what players might get those teams out of trouble? Yeah, um, so again, I, I think um, going into this game, I was 
hoping, first of all, not to see Eamon Brophy shoot from absolutely everywhere, you know, clenched down on his bottom lip as he hits the ball as hard as he possibly can. Shot horror, what did I see in this game? Eamon Brophy shooting as soon as he gets the ball and hitting as hard as he can. Um, the first highlight in this game is a great example. If, if you use you know Twitter uh, and you follow Football Stuart, he's posted a few sort of still images of Eamon Brophy deciding when to shoot. Um, I think this one would be another one that you could add to that um, collection where Brophy elects to shoot from the sort of uh, left side of the box where there's a, a sort of square ball onto Chris Burke who would then have a one-on-one with the goalkeeper. Whereas Brophy, mm. who did do well to get by the sort of two or three players and create the opportunity or create the space, but he made the wrong decision. And that's just the story of Eamon Brophy's career, right? Yeah, absolutely. This was the most Eamon Brophy of Eamon Brophy games, I would say. <laughs> um, there was so many instances of where he just has his head down and shoots from wherever he is. He generally doesn't even try and create kind of separation. You know, he maybe just nudges the ball to his, um, onto his right foot and, and that's it. And of course, um, one of those was successful from you know the edge or out with the box. So I guess in his head, maybe you know that justifies it. And you know, in in terms of the headlines he'll get for you know his double a, a penalty in the goal. But yeah, lo- loads of instances of very wasteful shooting. The the most kind of egregious one for me was one where he did really really well on the right hand side of the pitch um, to kind of dribble past or kind of evade two players. And then he kind of made his way into the, uh, well, not into, but towards the Ross County box at the kind of right-hand diagonal of it. And literally, as soon as he got, you know, one step into the box, it was just head down and smack it. And and he has a real tendency to just shoot as hard as he can. There's no thought about placement. Um, There's certainly no thought about where his teammates are or, or indeed where the opposition players and goalkeeper are. Um, <laughs> yeah, very, where very, the goal is. Very frustrating, um, but yeah. What 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 about beyond uh, Brophy? Any thoughts yeah. for you about the lineup? For instance, I found it interesting that Kilmarnock had gone with. Uh, well, I, I'm not entirely sure if it was a four four two, but at least kind of two you know attacking players centrally in Kabamba and Brophy, um, and and also it was interesting to me that Kilmarnock had kind of. I guess what you might say is they're, well, in my view, their first choice back five. So they mm-hmm. had Brunescu back in in goals, and then they had O'Donnell, Del Fabro, Finlay, and Hamalainen. Um, I think that that will be important for them, yep. you know, in comparison to some of the other teams in the bottom six. That's that's actually a really strong um, kind yeah. of back four, back five. And not just the fact that it's strong, the fact that it can be settled, it's really clearly defined. Um, as long as, you know, Kurt Broadfoot doesn't do some sort of dressing room shenanigans and um, manage to usurp uh, Del Fabro and get himself into the team. Oh, I think that's a, a real positive for Kilmarnock. Um, on, on the other side, um, Ollie Shaw started for Ross County. But I, again, there's questions for me about the kind of selections and stuff in defence for Ross County. This week, Fraser and Foster were the full-backs. Watson and Donaldson were centre-backs, but you know, I, I still am a wee bit unsure about centre-back pairings for Ross County and, and landing on the right one. Um, you got any thoughts on, on the, the selections and, and how things yeah. started? Yeah, I guess for Ross County, um, I think you're absolutely spot on. I think they've clearly needed a centre-back and a and probably a holding midfield player for me as well, someone that can just you know potentially break up attacks um, yeah. and just maybe offer that a little bit more protection to their backline. Um, Donaldson coming in from Inverness, uh, I think 
he he's done better this season with Inverness, but I'm not sure how much he's been um, elated due to the performances of my guy Jamie McCart. Um, mm. So so yeah, um, on paper it looks like a good move. Or, you know, someone that's played for a a low con- or sorry, a low conceding defence, but was he how you know functional was he in that sure. um but yeah um going into the game i guess um so i already mentioned the sort of brophy chance at the start and uh there's one or two nice little interchanges i felt mm. from kilmarnock um mm-hmm. hamelin and down the left and uh kimbamba you know he was pulling out into into and wider areas going past him that, yeah. that was all really nice i agree with you entirely yeah but it was a, a nice little you know sort of passage of play and and it looked like there was a couple of times where Kilmarnock actually looked to try and build through Hamelinen um, mm. on the left side, which I thought was quite good. And, you know, again, Kimbamba pulling over, I think that was that was quite smart play. And um, But unfortunately for Kilmarnock, after their sort of early chances, um, Ross County took the lead. Mm. Um, Ian Vigers with a, a pretty good strike, but I was... I felt that where was the pressure on the ball? Where was the sure. Kilmarnock midfield? Um, where was anyone to... Just you know, be at the edge of the area to stop that from happening because he had all the time in the world. Um, it was a pretty good finish. Maybe Bradescu could have got a little bit more on it, but that's me being a little bit critical because mm. um, I do think it was a pretty it was a pretty accurate shot into a difficult area for the keeper to try and try and get to. But um, if it was being hypercritical, maybe could have done better for that opening goal. Did you feel any different? Yeah, I, I kind of felt the same as you there. The um... It's it's the sort of ball that you need to get out to quickly. You know, it was a little bit awkward for him to take it. Um, I think, um, and, and pressure on the ball would have meant it was really hard for him to get a good shot off. Um, I don't know. I think it was one of those kind of fading um, shots where, although it maybe looks as though the goalkeeper could get there, it's it's travelling away from him. I think it would be really hard. Um, but it was a fair distance out. So, yeah, um, I guess it's not unfair to say the keeper could have done a wee bit better. Um, I, I just kind of wanted to echo what you were saying about the Kilmarnock interplay at the start. Um, I thought there was a couple of instances in this game where um, Havelainen had, had quite nice control and then Kabamba was kind of coming into that sort of left-sided channel. And the most pleasing thing about it was that Kilmarnock were then kind of getting people beyond him, um, you know, Mackenzie making a run. So that's maybe something to look out for uh, with them on, under Dyer, that kind of quick interplay um, down the flanks and then kind of into the middle. Um, what what about beyond the, yep. the opening goal? Was most of the next parts dominated for you by the Eamon Brophy shot count or was there anything yeah. else that, that kind uh, of came up of note? Yeah, I've got a little note here that says Eamon Brophy scoring from range is actually a bad thing. Mm. Um, I feel like, well, or sorry, maybe the question is it a bad thing or is it a good thing? Obviously, it's good he scored, but mm. bad. Um, he's just going to continue to shoot. But then I thought, is he just going to continue to shoot anyway, regardless of whether he scores <laughs> or not? So that's um, a fair point. I thought, so, um, in terms of this goal, um, yeah, like you say again, this goal's not from a great location either, and it's so obvious what he's going to do. He, know, he right? just wants to get on his right foot every time and push it slightly away from himself and then shoot as soon as he can. So you need to get close to them. I, I, I mean, it's just mind-boggling. I, you know, I understand, obviously, it's difficult. You know, you're getting pulled in different directions and stuff, and there's other runners to deal with and stuff, but you need to get tight to him um, when he's going to shoot and get a block in. Um, there's a couple of people who could have been right there in his face um, and prevented the shot, I think. 
uh, keeper should be better yeah. than he does as well. It's pretty weak hands. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think with that, uh, yeah, as much as the keeper should be doing better, you need to shut those shots down at, at source. Yeah. yeah, no, I totally agree. I think the keeper was definitely suspect for this. Um, like you mentioned, it was a it was a weak wrist, um, and it just sort of goes in. Um, but I suppose maybe if you've been facing Eamon Brophy, hitting the ball as hard as you can for you know sixty minutes, maybe that eventually takes its toll. Um, Plus, you have no ne- idea where it's going to go because he's not aiming. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's yeah. his skill. Maybe Eamon's he keeps not the guessing so much. The keeper is like, well, somebody in that position normally would try and stick it in such and such a corner, but I've got no idea here. It could be, you know. Um, anyway, what 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 happened beyond that that you had any thoughts of? Yeah, I, I my next note was just that Ross County are really rubbish at defending. Um, just for a really broad statement, but. Uh, the, the Kilmarnock had a number of chances before um, yep. next goal, and it just it was really poor. Baxter was left exposed quite a lot, I felt. Um, there was one where I think Baxter made a really good save from a header, um, but that was maybe a warning sign for uh, something that happened later in the game. Sure. Um, but yeah, then moving on to the penalty, um, Ricky Foster is, yeah, again, I think I've mentioned this phrase before, but Milk has definitely turned quicker than Ricky Foster. Mm. Um, being outdone by Chris Burke for pace is, is a bad, bad, bad sign. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, Chris Burke is inside, and then Donaldson is just a little bit rash. Maybe could have just tried to shepherd uh, Burke out a bit. Um, I don't think he was necessarily going to get a clear shot on goal, and if he did, I think Donaldson was in a position to, to block it. Um, and it was a difficult angle as well, so I I would have thought that taking all those variables into account, if he scores, it's a wonder goal. Um, and you know what can you do about that? So I I think that I would have thought Donaldson maybe could have been a little bit smarter with his decision making and doesn't necessarily need to put the sort of foot in. But does go down a little bit easy, but it was a penalty for me. I agree with that entirely. This is stupid from Donaldson. That, that's basically it for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he follows that up by gifting another decent chance um, not long after the penalty where it's a kind of loose pass from him uh, yep. into midfield. Um, I mean, it, it's a loose pass from Donaldson. I think that Vigers also deserves some criticism for him. If you kind of watch this, the pass is aimed towards him. And yeah, it's not directly to his feet, but he's incredibly lazy I think initially in terms of trying to get onto the pass and then if you watch him after a Kilmarnock break he just makes no effort at all to try and keep up with play um, and then you know it's a it's a breakaway and a chance for Kabamba to shoot. It doesn't result in a, a goal but um, it was kind of telling um, and then beyond that I, th- I think you maybe mentioned um, some issues with Ross County's kind of penalty box defending and I think um, Keith Watson the other centre back was particularly poor in the air for me. So there was a time at a corner where he was beaten um, and it was almost a goal. And then uh, he was beaten at free kick for the goal by Kabamba um, that um, put Komarak uh, 3-1 ahead. Uh, I think that he generally had really bad positioning when defending mm-hmm. set pieces, a lack of aggression and a real lack of, I guess, kind of athleticism um, in terms of getting to the ball first. So uh, I think that's something that people could really expose there. Um, what what did you think about yeah. that goal or, or any other chances? Yeah. I guess just before the goal, there was an identical sort of opportunity for uh, Komarnik, where I think it was Kambamba again with a, a header. Um, the backs are done done well to save, but I think that was from a, a, 
uh, again a Chris Burke ball into the box, but the warning sign that was there for that sort of move and that sort of thing that Kambamba might do, and it just felt like Ross County didn't adjust it um, and didn't make any sort of learnings from the from their mistakes previously, and then they were punished with the three one, and uh, mm-hmm. it was nice to see Kambamba score. Um, I I think that Kilmarnock really needed this win. I think if yep. they didn't get this, even if, even if this finished in a draw, mm-hmm. um, I would have been really worried about you know their um, you know how they would have coped with with that you know not beating a rival in the relegation yeah. race uh, at home. Well, that being what well, they'd lost the last seven matches in the league, mm-hmm. which is pretty incredible. So yeah, a vital win for them. I agree with you entirely. Um, and they looked like they deserved it to me. Um, Kabamba looked good. Um, Komarik had, you know, the lion's share of the chances. Um, that back five together is is vital. Um, and Ross County um, centre backs continue to be an issue, um, and things are getting worse. I guess there's a few um, before we maybe look at who we think might be in trouble um, in the division. Um, a few kind of details about Ross County statistically. So Ross County have the they're you know up in ninth, um, but like I said, they've had three losses in a row and they've let in 50 league goals, have the worst goal difference in the league. They've got the second worst expected goal difference in the league. Um, they concede the most expected goals per match, um, a whopping 1.52 a game. Um, they concede um, the most clear shots. They take the second fewest shots um, and concede the second most shots. Um, they... They're not very aggressive in, in terms of you know their their way of defending. So they make the the fewest pressure regains in the league, which is you know where you kind of effectively win the ball back um, after there's been a, a kind of challenge on you. Um, they allow their opponent opponents to um, be unchallenged quite a lot. So there's a, a metric called um, passes per defensive action, which basically you know ranks teams uh, based on. How, how many passes do they allow the other team to make before they make some sort of aggressive you know defensive action like a, a press or a tackle or whatever and um, Ross County allowed the second highest um, a number of passes in the league before they attempt a um, defensive action um, they allow the most opposition passes inside their own penalty box and they um, we spoke about set pieces as well and, and their inability to defend those in the air. Well, they concede the most goals per set piece and they concede the most expected goals from set pieces. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of kind of trouble for them. Um, I think that maybe people haven't noticed their slide given they're up in ninth, but um, I think particularly given Hearts are maybe making a wee bit of a resurgence and St Mern's underlying numbers are pretty decent and, and they've brought in you know a, a forward in Sefadin Chabi now who might be somebody that can help them get the goals that they need. It could be that Ross County slide um, backwards a bit. What do you think about that, Gavin? Do you have any thoughts on players for each of these teams that might be key to their survival and, and who might be due to go down this season? Yeah, so I guess to start with the with the, the, the big one, I guess, who will go down? I think Hamilton will go down. This will be the year where Hamilton will finally be relegated. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way because there's credit to them to be able to find a way to survive. Yep. Um, but I think now there's just they're maybe lacking the quality that the rest of the teams do, and they don't have as many game changers. Um, and and their lineup. I know they just brought in Templeton, but I think they need more than that. Um, 
Yeah, uh, Ross. I think Hamilton will finish twelfth, and I think Ross County will finish eleventh. Um, I think the rest of the teams will be able to pull <coughs> away. I think Hearts made some really good moves, and there's some positive signs under Stendhal. Um, St Mirren, I think, will be fine. Um, they've actually maybe been a little bit unlucky, I would say, St Mirren, not to pick up more points. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, Ross County's inability inability to defend will impact them. But I think they do have one or two decent attacking players. Um, Ollie Shaw, Billy Mackay, I think when you compare that to what Hamilton have up front, I think those two... Are Ross Stewart as well, right? Yeah, yeah Ross Stewart as well. Yeah, sorry. Totally. Back. Yeah, um... All three of those are far superior to you know what Hamilton have, uh, and I think that'll be enough to keep them their head above water. And I think the playoff team from the championship will not beat Ross County. I don't think the championship uh, Inverness, Air, Dundee, or A another don't have enough right now to sure to who just. Do you, if you had to predict, who do you think the championship team will be that will face Ross County in the playoff? I'm going to say Air. This is um, we're we're coming to agreement too much on this podcast. It's getting <laughs> really boring because I've written down that I think Hamilton will finish in twelfth and Ross County will finish in eleventh, and that uh, Ross County will be air in the playoff. So that that's that's deeply boring that we both completely <laughs> agreed on those things. But hey, that that is what it is. We didn't um, plan this, right? No, not at all. Um, <laughs> in terms of kind of players, uh, for me, I think it'll be really interesting to see how Liam Boyce does for Hearts. Um, he's obviously had a very good start. Um, I think that um, yeah, but my initial thoughts I was a little bit sceptical about the fit um, but I think it looks good and I think that um, yeah, they, they, they need somebody to start putting away chances if they can create some um, I think for Hamilton um, Luke Southwood is going to have a lot of work on, um, he looks like a good young goalkeeper, I've been fairly impressed with him, um, I think Hamilton were pretty unlucky against Celtic um, at a weekend you know, until they got a red card penalty, they were defending pretty well, pressing Celtic and the wings quite well and so on. But um, like you point out, I'm just not sure that they've got enough um, to take points off other teams. Um, so we'll, we'll see how Southwood does. He, he could be key for them. Um, for Ross County, uh, I was thinking the same as you, that the defence is pretty bad, but there is some some uh, weaponry up front. And if Ross Stewart can come back from injury and, and be doing fine, that's going to be a kind of key factor for them. Um, St Mirren, for me, um, well, Vlackliffe Ladke uh, is a kind of key part, but also really excited to see how their new striker um, signing, um, Sefadin Chabi, does. Um, he had a really good goal-scoring record in the second division in Austria um, and, and then got a kind of move, um, I think, to Turkey, I believe, off the back of that, which maybe hasn't worked out. Um, but I think he could be an interesting one to watch. Um, but yeah, just just the same as you, uh, Hamilton to go down, Ross County to beat air in a playoff. So let's see if those come true. Um, Gavin and I kind of checked our um, predictions from the start of this season, way back in August today. Um, and yeah, so far, kind of mixed, I guess, in terms of our predictions. We'll come back to those again at the end of the season. But you can look at the timeline on Twitter um, if you follow Pure Football. It's at Pure Football on Twitter. 
and see what we've um, come up with so far and maybe hit us up with your own predictions for how the Premiership will end um, and who will be relegated from each of the divisions. Um, as always, just want to thank you for listening in to us. It's really appreciated. And as I said at the start of the show, if you um, can, please do subscribe, uh, leave a rating, leave a review on whatever podcast uh, service you use and please do f- tell a friend about the show. Um, also, uh, check out the Pure Championship show that we mentioned earlier on on this episode. Gavin, have you got anything you want to say before we go? No, uh, again, just to echo everything you say. Um, and yeah, interested to see how the rest of the season goes. Great. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.